The following message is from the audio teaching library of the Briarwood Pulpit, a ministry of the Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Our speaker is Dr. Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church. It is our hope and prayer that this message will equip and encourage you in your walk with Christ, and as a result, you will be used by our Lord as an instrument of change to further His kingdom and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor teacher, Harry Reeder. Now, if you look with me in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, Mark 10 and verse 45, the word of God says this, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God abides forever. By his grace and mercy, may this his word be preached for you. Please be seated. If you got your card, I know it's been mailed out and you've had it now for a couple of weeks. And maybe if you'll hold on to it and be thinking about it during this service. Uh, And uh, of course, at the end... The way we conclude is very much following the pattern that you see in the New Testament where the offerings would be brought forward and put at the feet of those who were sent for the Savior. That's what we'll do. And the flags will go out and the missionaries will go out and we will have committed ourselves in the faith promise. But I am reminded of a couple of things at this time every year. Number one is uh, we have a lot of new members over the year. And number two, new Christians. Uh, that are here and coming to Christ and being discipled and growing in Christ. And then you kind of step into something like this and you get a sense, well, this is kind of a big deal to the people at this church. And it certainly is a big deal for us. I mean, this is kind of like Super Bowl week. I don't really want to use that illustration, but this is the big week for us. So this is kind of a legacy deal. Now, unfortunately, this um, this kind of a commitment to world missions uh, in many evangelical churches uh, has been affirmed through various studies as dissipating. And I think there's a couple of things that keep this before us as so important for us as a congregation, this fulfilling of the Great Commission, not only in our commitment locally and regionally and nationally, but also world missions. And I, I think early on, the leadership of this church made a decision that has that God has used to keep this whole dynamic of not only missions, but specifically cross-cultural missions at the forefront uh, for us. And that's kind of what we're here today to talk about. Uh, and, that, and that's this faith promise commitment. Um, so you've got the card. You've got it in with you. Uh, you've had it in front of you. Um, hopefully you've prayed about it. Your family, uh, your, um, and your, your husband and wife and kids, and you're helping your kids work through this and learn this. I think this was ingenious. You know, early, early on, um, in fact, let me do it this way. I want to thank uh, a, a very specific group of people. I want to thank the gospel, I mean, I'm sorry, I want to thank the global ministries team who guides our ministry of, um, of world evangelism and the fulfillment of the Great Commission. They lead us, and it's probably the, of all the leadership teams at Briarwood, this is probably the largest, and, um, and, it's, um, and it's guiding us in this matter of world missions. 
And I'm very grateful for them for multiple reasons, but let me give you three this morning. Um, Number one is the work that they do to profile um, who we are going to support, to vet the applications to us, and then to enfold those whom we support as much as we can, given the cross-cultural nations, uh, uh, the the cross-cultural dynamic of dislocations, so that we're able to enfold them and shepherd them, setting up short-term mission trips to go and be with our missionaries, uh, staying in contact with them, uh, and communicating prayer requests, being aware of who is accomplishing what and what is being accomplished. All of that that's taking place is really, um, uh, that, that's, that requires leadership. And they have engaged in that leadership. And a, a second thing that you see, uh, uh, and let me just go back to that again for a minute. Um, I am aware, and I'm, probably you are, of these appeals in the name of missions to support certain initiatives and groups and individuals. And then all of a sudden you find out that the lifestyle of the leader has been called into serious consideration or the integrity of the use of the resources. Uh, that's one of the things I'm so grateful for. I, that's why I'm, I love Christ Church. I love the opportunity to engage with people who are responsible so that when I give, um, particularly in these area of financial resources through Faith Promise, I know where it's going, who it's going to, and what they're there to do, and that they are accountable to Christ Church for what is being done. I just think that's crucial as good stewards. But secondly, I want to thank the global missions team for the conference itself. Um, It is uh, missions conferences are kind of disappearing like a mist on Sunday on a summer morning a little bit throughout the church uh, today in general. And I am so grateful for all the work that they do. And instead of uh, redaction of missions conference, there has been enlargement, enhancement, focus, excitement and all that they've done. And I know that requires a lot of leadership, not only from uh, our lay men and women that are on the on the team, but also uh, Brian and um, and his heart for this, uh, I just wish he'd get a little bit more excited about it. Otherwise, you know, just if, he, if only he would exhibit a little passion. And uh, so, uh, and then of course uh, his assistant Heather, and then all of the others uh, assistants who are there who are helping. And I'm grateful for all the work that they do, so that we can use the conference to bless our missionaries and be blessed by our missionaries. And, and then I'm, all, and then I'm also grateful for this whole dynamic of faith promise itself. Um, and how we're getting to it this week through the text. Here's the third thing, the text that they chose and the theme, gifted to serve. Now my heart leapt within me. I always, every year I'm looking forward to what is the global missions team going to choose for the theme of the conference? And what are they going to choose for the verse of the conference? And this year, they said, gifted to serve, gifted to serve as stewards. And I said, you know, serving with your gifts, man, that that sounds familiar to me. Um, 
I think there's a series on spiritual gifts that I've been trying to do now for about three months and how important that is. And then not only the spiritual gifts, but how do we see ourselves? And so I'm just so grateful for how those two things were coming together. And then this verse that they chose from Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, the son of man who gave himself, who came not to be served, but to serve and give himself as a ransom for many. So I was pretty excited about that as well. Because that just leads us right into this faith promise commitment. The, you know, when we've studied missions at Briarwood, and so here's a fast track for those of you that are new. We have said that to engage in world missions through God-called uh, cross-cultural missionaries. Again, we're all missionaries, and so we're on the mission field too. But some of our people are called to to go cross-culturally in terms of missions. And for us to be engaged not only in local, regional, national, but now international, and using faith promise. You see, we have a national missions conference every year. And out of that, we go into our uh, every member commitment season, whereby we communicate to the deacons what our tithe and offerings will be. And then the deacons, all the way back almost to the inception of this church, have been instructed by a policy of our session to put together a budget that we end up at the end of the year. 50% leaves Briarwood for evangelism, mercy, benevolence, church planting, church revitalization. In other words, 50 cents, that's a better way for me to think about it, 50 cents out of every dollar received to the Lord is sent out for the mission of the Lord beyond us and beyond what where we are right here. And so they do that each year. But we also have the World Missions Conference and the Global Ministries Conference. And out of that comes this Sunday and uh, in which we make our faith promise commitment. Now, the faith promise is faith. What do we believe that God will get to us this year beyond our regular giving? And when he gets it to us, then we promise him it will get through us to world evangelism to global missions as you have seen it displayed and described this coming year through the missions conference and the various publications that have been sent out and so that's where it's going short-term mission trips various missionaries not only these that are there but we have 280 missionaries uh, that are in all of these countries represented by these flags And uh, so we are sending them out, all of them out. And as we send them out, here's what we have learned. To rightly partner, perhaps one of the best ways to learn this is to go to, I think, an inspired missionary support letter. And that's the book, that's the letter to the Philippians. You know, the Philippians, the, the, um, the church at Philippi is the only church that Paul allowed to engage in partnership with him. And that's the language he uses, that you have partnered with me. But it's the only one that we're aware of. 
Now, I'm sure some others may have given a gift here or there, but uh, the only one that regularly engaged in supporting his mission endeavor was the church at Philippi. And if you ever read that epistle, you will see that he emphasizes three things about their partnership. Number one, they partnered with him personally. They actually would send people We call it short-term missions trips. They would send people uh, to be with him where he was serving. Secondly, they prayed earnestly for him. And thirdly, they gave financially to him. So it was personal. The way we engage in partnership for world evangelism is to engage personally and relationally to engage prayerfully, and to engage financially. And that's why this faith promise card is laid out the way it is. In fact, if you if you look at that faith promise card and you prayed through it, you'll note that there's kind of five directives and opportunities for us there. One of them was that you think through, is God calling me to be a part of this global ministries team? There's a place there. You know, some people are sent, some people are senders. Uh, some people are eggs, and some people hatch eggs. Uh, that's just the way that it works. And uh, so some people are very gifted with their spiritual gifts and their natural talents to serve on a team like this that profiles, that interviews, that shepherds, that guides, that receives requests, that sends strategically. That's what it, that's what we see happening uh, on a global ministry too. And you may sense that God has called you to engage in that leadership team at Briarwood. So you just check it and say, I'm interested. Uh, Another thing that was there to check uh, is that uh, you might want to engage in a short-term missions trip or a special or a special project this year. Now listen, I want to, uh, spo- no, um, warning, warning, warning. When you start doing short-term mission trips, they kind of get addictive. And then secondly, they kind of start getting you thinking, well, maybe it ought not to be short-term. Maybe it ought to be long-term. So just warning. Uh, but you, it'll be great. I used to have the great privilege to take uh, a couple of, uh, every year I'd do two of these trips and I would always take one of my kids with me and it really got them into missions as well. So short term missions trip is, is more than just going short term to where the missionary is and helping them out. And uh, it's really, it's vision enlarging. Number three on that faith promise card is a prayer uh, an intercessory prayer um, plan. Now, I don't know what you're going to do this year about praying for me. Maybe you're just going to pray broadly. Maybe your prayer plan is whatever comes out in the midweek, focused on a particular missionary or mission field, that's what you're going to do. Some of you may be drawn to particular areas. My guess, Eurasia, is on many of your hearts and minds right now. Some of you may be uh, drawn to particular areas, uh, particular continents. That's the way our missions team is is divided up into sub uh, into regions and continents, and maybe that's where you're kind of drawn is in your prayer life, but you put together an intercessory prayer plan. Uh, In the earlier service, I was explaining that one of the areas my family has focused on prayer has been the uh, the Sarans in uh, in France, and he gave the testimony in the first service. Of course, um, 
Mr. Church, I just want to let you know that I've been eight times to Uganda, and uh, it's just a, I, I agree with you, some of the sweetest, most brilliant, uh, witty people are Ugandans, and uh, I'm so grateful for what you're doing and planting uh, solid churches there. But I, I also have to say, we've been praying, so you're, we're going to put you on our list. But uh, the Sarans have been on our list because uh, I got a granddaughter uh, not far from them that's living there in France. And so praying for the work of the gospel to go there, that's been a place that has drawn us. So I don't know where your focus might be, but that you would focus in on this area of a prayer plan. Well, there's a fourth area, and that, of course, is finances, faith, promise. Faith, what have we been led individually or as a family to anticipate beyond our tithe? Lord, what is it that you are going to bring to us systematically, supernaturally? We, we don't know how you're going to do it, but here's what we promise. When we look to you by faith for what you're going to bring, we promise by grace that we will, what you get to us will get through us for the cause of world evangelism. And that's what we want to participate in as well. And I always tell people, this is important because the gospel is free. Amen? But the plumbing cost. Now, remember that. We've got to get people to these places. They've got to live there. They've got to be sustained there. And God uses us to partner in that endeavor. They need curriculum there. They need supplies there. All of those things are needed so that we can engage in it together. Praise the Lord. The, the river of life is free, but the plumbing costs to get it to the right places. And God gives us the privilege to participate in that. And so that will be part of your commitment. But there's a fifth one. And I don't want to lose this one. Right now, we have a little bit over 400 missionaries, uh, globally, nationally, and regionally. Right now, we've got uh, just slightly over 400. Uh, about 280 to 300 are, glo- are um, global. About 120 are uh, national and regional. Of those... Missionaries, 70 plus families of those. We've got other families that are doing missions work that aren't in what we're doing directly. But of those that we are supporting, 70 plus of them were members here uh, at Briarwood. And they were sitting in conferences like this. And God began to put this on their heart. So there's a place for you to mark. Uh, If the Lord was to, I just sensed that the Lord may be calling me to cross-cultural missions. And then you would let the global missions team know through this faith promise card, and they would begin to uh, find a way for you to serve as God has called you. How can you prepare for that, and how can you be sent out? I mean, I look over here, and I can start picking out members of Briarwood that we have sent uh, from here out into this world, even in the the group that's with us this year. So that may be, you may be one of those, and you can indicate that on the card. Well, when I guess the last thing I would say about the missions team and my appreciation for the theme of our conference and the text of the conference is because it brings us right to Jesus. Folks, this faith promise card is not to Briarwood. It's not to the global ministries team. 
This is a faith promise card that we are looking in those five areas I just mentioned. We are looking in our commitment to Jesus. We are looking to give to him who gave himself for us. And we're looking to give ourselves to him to do what he's given us to do. It's called the Great Commission. And we are the body of Christ. We are body number two. We're to carry out his mission until he returns in the glorified body number one. And he tells us what we do by showing us what he did in body number one. The incarnation, the son of God, enfleshed. The enfleshment of the son of God is an astonishing biblical truth of more than miraculous proportions, of eternal significance. Here, 2,000 years ago, Jesus became what he never had been while continuing to be what he always was and is. He always was the Son of God. He always is the Son of God. He always will be the Son of God. But 2,000 years ago, he became something he had never been. Now the question is, why? And in your Bible, there are multiple captivating, bullet-formed texts that tell you why. It may be Jesus in the Gospels when he said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. It may be in 1 Timothy 2. It is a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. It may be Hebrews 1. It may be Colossians 1. It may be that missionary letter when Paul wants to invoke and evoke our giving personally, relationally, prayerfully, and financially. What does he do? Paul builds right in the Christology of the Incarnation. Here's the motivation. Have this mind in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself and taking the form of a bondservant, he humbled himself unto the appearance of man. And he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. It is Christ, not only the reason, but the model. For how we carry out the mission he has secured in his incarnation. Here are all of these texts 
such as you know the grace of God, that Christ Jesus, being rich, made himself poor, that we might have the riches of life in him. Here are all of these captivating statements, and one of them is the one the team selected for us. For, don't miss this word, for even the Son of Man. Now, you got to know the backdrop. You know the backdrop, perhaps, in Mark chapter 10, the last part of the chapter. The disciples have entered into another discussion on how to get promoted in the kingdom. How can we get exalted? We'd like to be the right or the left. James and John brought it up twice. One time they were helped by their mother. They're always like, I want the right, I want the left. And so here's another one of those moments where they're discussing among themselves how they're going to get promoted into in the kingdom of God. And Jesus rebukes them and he reproves them. But then he says, just look at me. Even the, and now note the title he uses. Note the title. Christ in the messianic titles he used about himself when he is quoted in the gospels. The, the, by far the number one title he would refer to is the one that crops up for us so gloriously in the book of Daniel. The son of man. What he had never been. He became without diminishing what he always was and is and will be. Why? For even the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. He came as a steward servant. Now, we've been studying this for two years. And Jesus is showing us servanthood. For the sake of the mission, he freely gave and laid aside the privileges of his riches and glory. He didn't lay aside his attributes. We didn't have 33 years without a trinity. But what he did do is lay aside the privileges of it in order to humble himself to the point of death, even the death on the cross, meaning an atoning death. Why? He tells you in the text, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom. Now, what do we mean by ransom? What are we talking about with a ransom? Well, a ransom is something that you pay to set something free. It's something that's required to emancipate something else that is under bondage. So Jesus comes and gives the ransom. What is the ransom? Here's the ransom. He tells you in the text, his life. The ransom was Jesus came and took our place two ways. To save us from our sins. Two ways he took our place. He took our place by going to the cross and dying an atoning death. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 
He died, he gave his life as an atoning death to set us free from the curse of sin. Secondly, he gave the perfections of his life to to prepare us and to perfect us for entrance into glory. In other words, his atoning death took away all of our charges, all of our guilt, all of our shame, all of our condemnation. He took it away at the cross. He took it away. So the gates of hell are shut. God can't send me there. Jesus has already taken it upon himself at the cross in my place. And the God who is holy, who says, by no means shall the guilty be unpunished, is is not a God of double jeopardy, getting two punishments for the same sin. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. He paid my debt of my, that my sin had mounted up before a thrice holy God. Secondly, he then perfected me with his righteousness, not mine. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. So I'm not only, you see, heaven is not for the forgiven. Heaven is for the righteous. But my righteousness is like what? Filthy rags. But I'm not going to heaven on my righteousness. I'm cleansed of my sin by his blood. I'm clothed with his righteous. So I'm forgiven and the hell's doors are shut. And with the righteousness of Christ, I am accepted. And heaven's gates are open. We are accepted in the beloved. That's the ransom, his atoning death of his life and the righteousness of his perfect life is what brings us to glory. That's the ransom. Well, who's the ransom paid to? Now, there are some very significant errors that I hear in sermon after sermon. Jesus did not pay the ransom to Satan. (laughs) I mean, people know. I always say, you know, in my, I hear the government say, our policy is never negotiate with a terrorist. Well, if you think a human government doesn't negotiate with a terrorist, let me assure you, the king of kings does not negotiate with a terrorist usurper. He didn't pay the ransom to Satan to set us free. No, 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 no. He came to defeat Satan and all of our enemies. He came to defeat them, and when he comes again, he'll destroy them. He paid the ransom to his father. That's why on the cross, the father, who in his holiness and justice had placed the judgment upon us for our sins, Jesus, whom the father sent to take our place, as the Son of Man on the cross, bearing our sins, says to the Father, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The ransom was being paid. All the hell of all of his people for all 
of their sins was falling upon him. And when he had paid it all, he then speaks again to the Father. Tetelestai. It's finished. Payment has been made. The ransom is secured. And the resurrection shouts the victory of the Redeemer who brought the ransom. And who has been redeemed? All of his people. Every single one of them have been redeemed. Father, all whom you've given me, all that many, gave himself a ransom for many, all of them. I lose not one, but raise them up on the last day. I have set them free from the guilt and the shame of sin. I've made them innocent. I have set them free From the power and dominion of sin, they've been born again. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And I have set them on the progress of the pilgrim, of growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ, and perfecting them as they eradicate sin and put it to death in thought, word, and deed until the day they're brought to be with me and I'll perfect them in body and soul in that day for all eternity. They've been set free. And I am their ransom. I am their redeemer. And it is this Savior, who now commissions us, the body of Christ, to take this message to the world. You know, there's another coming of Christ. Did y'all know Jesus is coming again? I, I wish I was in a kind of a halfway Baptist church right now. I would have got, I'd have got, amen. There's, there we are. You know, it's really been interesting, and I do want to thank all of you who gave so generously last year that not only are you giving to help us through some very important ministries in administering uh, to these refugees, uh, but we were able to get started because of the generosity of last year in faith promise giving. Praise the Lord. We didn't have to wait. We were able to just go and get started. But uh, <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. As soon as the invasion started, everybody starts sending me notes and sermons on why this was the sign that Jesus is coming again. Uh, uh, The war in Eurasia is the sign that Jesus is coming again. Now, folks, I'm not being, uh, I'm not trying to be mocking or anything. It just always happens. Listen, wars, rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes, all of those are not signs of the second coming. Please don't buy a book that says it is. Those are the birth pains. Those are the pains telling you that everything is groaning to be delivered. And like birth pains, they're going to get more intense and more cataclysmic as we move to that moment. But they're not the signs. And I'm passionate about this because one of the reasons I love a missions conference is I'm involved in the second coming. Harry, how are you involved in the second coming? Because I know the two signs of the coming of Christ. 
He will not come back until the gospel has been preached to all the people groups, all the ethnic. And so we are doing what brings Christ back. It's not, let's go start a war. Maybe that'll bring Jesus back. No, it's let's do missions. Let's partner with those who take the gospel to all the people groups. Because the second sign, Jesus tells us he, he is not slow about his promise to return because he is patient. He will not return until every one of the beloved have been brought to faith and repentance in Christ. And until all of his people are saved from every tribe and nation. Now they can't get saved unless we get the gospel to them, right? So the gospel to the nations, they get saved and out there somewhere, someday the last one is going to say, I've trusted in Jesus. Boom. Trumpet sounds. That's what, that's why I, that's why Peter calls evangelism and missions, and I quote him, hastening the coming of the Lord. If you want Jesus to come back again, start evangelizing. I mean, I think about it. I was talking with the guy on the plane coming, coming back from the, um, council meeting, uh, this week. On Friday, I was talking to him, and uh, I got to thinking, you know, if this guy prays to receive Jesus, he could be the last one. There is somebody out there that's going to be the last one. This could be it. And, you know, that archangel's got to work on his vocal cords. Let's shout, buddy. Come on. When I was a kid, we couldn't wait for my grandparents to come up for Christmas for many reasons. And it seemed like they would never get there. Me and my sisters, we'd be looking out the windows, looking out the windows, and they just weren't showing up. And the more we looked, the longer it took. That, that rhymes. I may do a song. The more we looked, the longer it took. And, uh, and then, um, you know what was interesting? My mother came up to me one time and she said, if you keep looking, it's going to take longer. She said, if, do you want them to get here soon? And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, well, get busy and clean up your room. Go get busy and clean up. It's when you go to work, the time goes quicker. It will hasten their coming. So you want Jesus to come back? Hello? Anybody here want Jesus to come back? Go to work. That's why Jesus said, when they said, when are you coming back, Jesus? He said, it's not for you to know. Go to work. I'll send the Holy Spirit and give you power. You be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. And then comes the end, which is the beginning. That's why I love faith promise. (laughs) Hastening the coming of the Lord. Father, thank you for the moments we could be together. Thank you for the privilege to serve you. Folks, as you, would you do something for me uh, just as I finish this prayer? Would you just take the card that you have? I know you've worked on it or maybe reworking it. I don't know. But just uh, take it, hold it for a minute before the Lord. And either personally on your own or just follow along with me. Pray. Jesus, you're sending us to all the nations because people need the Lord and the mission of Jesus needs to be completed so as we take these moments 
We consecrate what we give. God, I love, I so love that glorious little line in one of the little hymns that we sing, but with a wonderful message, little is much when God is in it. So God, here we give this card. Maybe the global missions team, maybe, and then a prayer plan, and then uh, the gifts, the finances you'll give me beyond the tithe that we'll bring. Um, and then, Father, maybe a short-term missions trip. Or, and maybe there might be in this that I'm praying through an exploration of calling to cross-cultural missions. But I'm before you, Lord. I'm not doing this to be saved. Jesus has already paid the price. Jesus paid the price. And so I now just simply want to follow him. Jesus paid it all, all to him, I owe. And it's not what I owe to pay you back. What I'm saying is, because he paid it all, I don't own myself. You own me, Jesus. I've been bought with a price, a ransom. And if you served and gave... Now I want to serve and give to you to reach those who need you. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a message by Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reeder, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205-776-5200.